This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we are joined by New Orleans Saints fullback, Austin Johnson. Get to know this football pro and what he had to do to make it to that level. Between training, traveling, and trying to stay healthy, Austin is motivated every day simply by wanting it more than his competition. John and Austin rap about life as an NFL player. Though the perks are plenty, Austin stays true to his somewhat humble beginnings. He feels he has an edge over other players because initially, scouts didn't think he had what it took to play professional football. Well, joke's on them, obviously. Now he says that chip on his shoulder has done nothing but fuel the fire and determination to stick around for as long as possible. What role did CrossFit play in prepping him for the NFL? And how did he evolve into the self-proclaimed power athlete you see today? To find out, listen now. This is episode 150. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? You got Luke here with John and SoCal at Power Athlete HQ. Texas dialed in from Washington, D.C. And yep. we have the amazing Austin Johnson on, six foot two, 240-pound giant who can palm a medicine ball, chews on glass, spits bullets. Um, I grew that beard in one you day. Damn right. Shaves his beard every day and it grows out to a foot long. I shaved this morning. It's beard the beard. <laughs> uh, uh, so Batman versus Superman. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? I don't know. Tech saw it. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I've heard a lot of. Either. I've been reading the fucking internet, which is the worst thing to do. Yeah, which yeah. all the butt hurt people are just like, ah. You, you gotta stay off the internet. It's uh, a <laughs> fucking. There's some twists and turns, Luke. So you, be careful what you read. Well, but every preview that I saw is Superman landing. Superhero landing. Like, on his knee with, like, a fist in the ground. Like, there was, like, seven scenes like that. And I was like, Some Thor. Was it, yeah, was it just them showing the same scene over or, like, different vantage points? But I'm like, is that how he lands all the time? You would think that Superman would actually have better proprioceptive ability than to have to land in a three-point or in some tripod opposed from, like, a universal athletic Holy. position. Are you looking for a universal athletic position landing, John? Yeah. Yeah, hips back. We need to text, you know, force reduction, posterior chain. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he's looking to absorb uh, eccentric load through his body and translate that into ground force, he's got to do it the most efficient way possible. And you know what? Landing on your knee with your fist is probably not the most efficient way. What do you think about that? Luke, I think uh, this is your next article. I think it is. I'm already – the wheels are turning, Tex. <laughs> the inefficiencies of the superhero landing. <laughs> Not meant for real humans. I mean, you fucking blow up your knee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You Dislocate your shoulder or elbow. Dude, I, I, I remember I was uh, trying to fucking cut a guy, and I tripped. And when I tripped, I did this like kind of like awkward thing where I tried to like fling my body at him. Uh-huh. And uh, I ended up landing – uh, with my knee square on the turf. Ugh. Like, literally, my knee just drove right in the turf. It was in Buffalo. 
And I remember fucking, I didn't know if I broke my kneecap in half for probably an hour. <laughs> and I just Damn. thinking, I'm like, I don't look, I, don't I cracked my fucking kneecap. And like, it was, I swear to God, I was bleeding. And I was like, I, I fucking broke my kneecap. And I just kind of went out there. And then like about an hour later, it just kind of went away. And I uh, just never said anything. So I was like, well, shit, you know. As you know, the last thing you want to do is tell anybody about an injury. Then you got to come in the next day to fucking treat it early. They get exactly. Tuesday, and then you get your whole fucking day messed up. And the mornings. And the mornings. And then you got to go in there and have a bunch of useless bullshit that doesn't fucking work. But that, that's like exactly how I tore my, uh, I tore like a bunch of cartilage in there. And I just like landed straight on it, like you were saying, on the turf. And just like tore up all this cartilage in there. And I tried to like jump off the field like I was all good. <laughs> it was they heard I'm good, and I'm, like, limping around. They're telling me to go back in. I can't even, like, my knee keeps clicking. It's not good shit. Dude, I was, uh, I was, I, I, like, we were running a little, um, uh, like, a little 94, a little, uh, I was playing right guard, and uh, we ran a little inside zone to the right, and I had a big fucking three technique on me, and I remember I got underneath them. I was fucking driving them up, and uh, got about three steps of movement, and our fucking center loafed, and the other beat tackle hit that guy. And they fucking both landed right on the back of my heel while my toe was up. And I was in the oh. and they landed. And I, I fucking got the worst turf toe. Like, that thing was, like, it looked like hamburger meat. And um, and then they, they were injecting it. And then, like, two years later, uh, when I'm on, like, a physical, they just x-rayed my foot. They're like, oh, you had this injury. Come to find out I had a mild Liz Frank, which is where, you know, there's, like, a ligament that runs through the middle of the foot. And if it fucking right. tears... And they have to pin your foot, and it's pretty much like where it comes from was Liz Frank was uh, Napoleon's doctor. And before that, when this would happen, on like because it would actually happen in the stirrups, the soldiers they just cut their fucking foot off. Oh. So Liz Frank was this uh, this doctor that was like, no, we don't have to do it, and showed how how to fix it. So uh, I go through, and they're like, uh, you had a mild Liz Frank. Did your foot hurt? I'm like, yeah, every fucking day. And they were like, what they do? They were like, I was like, I don't know. They told me to just uh, fucking go out there. Yeah. They were like. It healed itself in kind of a weird way, and I'm like, oh, fuck it, it doesn't hurt me that bad. Well, it's the compensation, right? You learn just different ways to work around the limitation. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to, uh, uh, you know, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, is uh, the best athletes in the world aren't necessarily the best athletes. They're just the ones that can recruit around the injuries the best. You know, and I'm yeah. sure add that, like, you know, some guy gets injured, and all of a sudden he can't fucking play a snap, and then other dudes get injured, and they're like, I'm fine. You know, and that was always my deal was like, I always knew it was time to get out of the game when all of a sudden, uh, like the wheels just fell off. And like, I, I always knew it would be like the straw that broke the camel's back. I'd have all these injuries. And then they would be like the final injury where I was like, I can't do it anymore. Time to go home. And that's just what happened to me. Yeah. It's about which injuries you can manage and handle. It's always, it's always something though. I mean, it'd be like Achilles tendonitis to patella tendonitis to doing some power cleans, just like old soft, workout day and you'd fuck up your wrist somehow and <laughs> it's always something uh, it's uh or or even um i remember we used to like i, I always hated half speed shit like we'd be out there in pads and like you know i always like joke like with the brave heart i'd be like well we didn't get dressed up for nothing you know yeah and then they're like oh we're just gonna take one step and fit you know this and that shit never works dude <laughs> you're like if, you know if you're in the fucking i'm like then just take it all off no knee pads remember i, I remember uh one year in training camp they were like you know what? we're gonna take away your knee pads so that people aren't on the ground, and that's going to prevent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm telling you, dude. 
this is the retardedness of fucking NFL football. Uh, like, yeah, well, you know what? We're, we're, we're just not going to give you full pads. So what we're going to do is we're just going to give you shorts with thigh pads in them. Yeah, so that way you go, you don't go as hard. Yeah, yeah, you don't go as hard. But the, the best part is nobody wears fucking knee pads in the NFL. Yeah. Well, back when you back when you were playing, y'all were doing uh, two a days, so y'all were full pads twice a day for well, three hours each yeah, session. Okay. I, my rookie, I get drafted in '99. My rookie year, I come in. We had uh, 42 days of training camp. We had a buy in preseason, right? 42 days of fucking training camp. We were in double days for fucking 42 days. Andy Reid's first year at the Eagles. Uh, we were in double days. Fucking, it, it was a baton death march of death marches. And then I went and to he, the- I've heard he's not as bad anymore about that stuff either. No, no, no. He's chilled the fuck out. But, um, and then I left there and went to play for Dick Vermeil, which was, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard the stories, but when Dickie B was at the Rams, they had a fucking mutiny. Oh, yeah? Dudes were literally like, fucking cut me, I'm out of here, and the whole team went to quit. And the idea wow. is they can't fire us all. And that was how they finally got a fucking day off. Yeah. So we went in and we were in like two, three hour padded practices every fucking day. Mutiny, huh? And uh, it was was crazy. And then I remember uh, the year I left. So uh, my last year was 08 and then I retired in 09. And I remember they went in and they read the CBA. And now what is it? Like three padded practices in training camp? You can't have like, you can practice like three days in a row with pads and you have the the fourth day has to be like off. So they changed all these rules, and I remember uh, Tony Gonzalez called me up, and Tony's like, dude, he's like, fuck, man. He goes, if only, he goes, we could have played 20 years like this, and he got to play 17. <laughs> he's like, dude, if only you had fucking lasted a little bit longer. I'm like, dude, I, he's, I, I got fucking road cratered. I mean, it was just, yeah. But, I mean, the, the thing which was interesting is the only way you learn to play offensive line is fucking with reps. And, like, actually, like, hitting and, like, you know, let's say you hone your craft. So what's uh, kind of blows me away is when I watch it now, you can see, like, even in, like, the first or second game of the year, you can see how fucking high dudes are playing. They don't learn to bend their knees. And it just comes from the lack of reps. So all of a sudden you see these yeah. offensive linemen just getting their fucking ass beat. And it's not for anything other than the fact that they just haven't had as many reps. I mean, they're out there making J.J. Watt look like a fucking, you know, Bruce Smith on every play. And I'm like, it's mm-hmm. amazing. I'm like, no, the offensive linemen just aren't as fucking good as he used to be. Yeah, that's an official call out to JJ Watt. Fuck him. <laughs> you know what? I would have. Uh, I would have. If, if I had one regret, was I didn't get to play against that guy. I would have loved to have played against that guy. There you go. Yeah, I mean, big tall guy, stand up. I mean, he plays so fucking high. Always, you know, big open moves, dude. We would have busted that dude's ribs off. I would have tried to hurt him on every play. I mean, uh, we went down to play against Miami, and I was playing left guard. And, uh, dude, like, our, our left tackle decided he had a phantom back injury like 10 minutes before the game because he was all nervous about uh, Jason Taylor coming down there. was having a hell of a year. And all of a sudden, dude, we're literally getting ready to go out, and he all of a sudden lays down on the ground. It's like, I can't go on my back. <laughs> it's like 10 minutes Jeez. before the game. So uh, we're looking around, and we only dressed seven dudes. We had a backup center, and we had a swing guy. And I remember the young dude, we, like, the coach looks at him, he's like, you're going to have to start against a left tackle in Miami against Jason Taylor. And, like, the kid's fucking shitting himself. And, like, the, I remember offensive line coach was like, well, what, what do you think, John? I'm like, let's just fucking go uh, uh, two-jet. We'll just fucking slide left every time. 
And uh, he's like, why? And like, cause uh, all we got to do is hopefully we get that guy in like a one and put Jason wide. I'm going to bust his fucking rib. And that's what I did. I went and busted <laughs> his rib and took him out of the game. He, tried, awesome. he, he tried this big, like overarching, like big swim move like this. And I hit him right here. And he was like, <gasps> left the game. And I remember I saw him after. He's like, you want fucker? I was having a fucking pro bowl here. And you got to come break my rib. I'm like, dude, we got to fucking, we're, you're about to kill this fucking young kid. <laughs> The, That's right. So playing in the NFL. Now they probably fucking suspend me for something like that. Probably. Uh, so Austin played at uh, University of Tennessee, currently a fullback on the Saints, man. So what's going on? What's what's up? Thanks for joining Power Athlete Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm just uh, hanging out in North Carolina. Just kind of chilling with my family. where they're from and uh, just waiting to go back to New Orleans for OTAs. And I've uh, just been training here, so it's been going well. So when when does uh, OTA start? Oh, well, I, I guess uh, right after the draft, right? Uh, April eighteenth is like when all like the veterans and stuff come. So then I think like the rookies get there a couple weeks after that. Nice. Well, don't they bring the rookies in for that little uh, like rookie deal? They still have that. Like yeah, so the they'll have like a rookie mini camp or whatever, and that's like so like the draft rookies, and then they'll bring in a bunch of guys. We'll all go to that camp like right before we start practicing for OTAs. Nice. So that sucks. The rookie minicamp sucks. So my first year I was on the practice squad. So the following year I had to do rookie minicamp again. And uh, it was, it's so bad because like you have all these rookies there that are like trying to prove themselves. Sure. And it's like, all right, we're in walkthrough and these kids, all we have is a helmet on. And these like young dudes are like coming full speed, like bull rushing and pass pro. Like I feel so bad for our tackles because like, I don't even know what to tell them because they're getting either bull rushed or swimmed or spin and they got no pads on. It's like impossible to play. And I, I remember whenever I finally well, got my – cutting people. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many more fights. I worry about that shit. Like literally, like we were in a, a, a fucking one-on-one, like just like walkthrough shit, and we had a dude who was uh, a practice squad guy that they signed off or that, that got cut by the Giants. And literally, the dude uh, fucking clubbed me in the head on a walkthrough. <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm like, you know, we're wearing fucking helmets. And uh, I'm like, this motherfucker. So uh, the next play, you know, we, like, set up real fast. And I flashed him and fucking speared him right in the knees and fucking cut him in a drill. And the dude took a shot of me, and we fucking didn't win up in a big fight. <laughs> and I'm sure he didn't do that again, though. This is the portion where Tex and I, as, uh, you know, high school washouts of high school football, have no fucking clue. Uh, the level yeah. of intensity that like people want to survive and get their moment in that. Well, it, it's uh, it's really interesting because you bring in like um, when, when I came in the NFL, they, the the comment was made. Uh, you have really violent people getting paid a lot of money to do really violent things to other violent people, and upon that, just violence is going to fucking happen. And like, and then it was weird. Then there was like this whole shift into like. You know, we need to have a better image. We need we we don't need you guys to be as violent. And I remember uh, that shift happened in like 2003. All of a sudden, I got fined like five games in a row. I basically got fined fifty thousand dollars in like two or three games for taking late shots down around the pile. Uh, I kicked the dude in the balls. I mean, there was just a bunch of weird shit. And uh, all of a sudden, they were just doling out these fines. Before, it was like 1500 You know, you, you're like, all right, it's all right. But all of a sudden, you get like a five or $10,000 fine, and you're like, holy fuck. I'm on a, like, that's a lot of money. And uh, so then, like, there was, like, this whole weird thing that they uh, they sent us. Like, I remember Runyon and I got it where it was, like, you know, based on your history of violence, 
we are we are going to take a uh, like very aggressive approach in terms of finding you, trying to you know change the image. And um, pretty funny, dude. So isn't History of Violence a movie? Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. This is a good one. Yeah, th that actually was in Philly. That was a Philly deal. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, so it's it's uh, you know the, the NFL, and you know this, dude. It's like uh, their biggest fear is that people are going to realize that it's just entertainment <laughs> like they, they've somehow like weave this thing in that like a football's in america's you know yeah, it's like a religion america, yeah. yeah it's like a religion and the last thing they want to do is have fucking players i mean dude like they'll they'll get i mean they'll be pissed at you but when things get on sports center and all of a sudden there's like ray rice punching his old lady oh, oh my god it wasn't a big deal until the video surfaced and then yeah. they had a pr problem so mm -hmm. well awesome give us a little background man i mean um Growing up, what, what sports did you play? When did you start training? I know you're, you're following Field Strong. You've been involved with Wade's Army and everything. So I guess – Yes, thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and we appreciate that. Uh, but give us – I mean, where'd you come from? How'd you get to where you're at? You know, what was uh, – what were some defining moments in your development? Well, like I, I'm, I came from North Carolina, Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, obviously went to Tennessee, and I played linebacker. And I went through a lot of stuff there. Uh we went, I went through three head coaches. So my first year I had uh former and then I had uh, uh, Lane Kiffin and then I had Derek Dooley and I kind of bounced around there. Um, and I graduated from there as a linebacker and that's when I went to, and like throughout college, I was always, you know, just your typical uh, bodybuilding kind of meathead in the weight room. I would say uh, I didn't really follow any kind of CrossFit stuff. I know it wasn't huge then, but, uh, I was all about just getting bigger and stronger. And then uh, I left there and I went to the Baltimore Ravens as a free agent. They signed me after the draft or like we agreed to terms. And when I got there, what, they, year, was uh, this? what, what year? This was in uh, 2011. So they, uh, they, 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 I failed my physical with a torn labrum. So I had left there and I went and worked out for a couple teams. And nobody wanted to sign me because of my shoulder. Uh, and I was supposed to be playing linebacker at the time. So I sat out like a whole year. I went and had my shoulder fixed. I came back home. Uh, I was rehabbing it. And my buddy, Kent Stamey, he owned CrossFit Hickory at the time. So I kind of went to him because I knew he knew a lot about, you know, just re rehabilitation stuff. And uh, he kind of strengthened my shoulder through like some CrossFit type stuff. And uh, that's kind of when, like, I really got into CrossFit, I would say. I wouldn't say I was really into, like, the power athlete. I really wasn't. I was more of, like, I was doing these, like, long Metcons, like, just getting in shape, starting to get, like, ripped up, like, all this stuff. Like, I was thinking I was looking good. I was competing in the Open. I finished, like, 70th in my region. Like, I thought I was all that and all this. And then, uh, then the Saints called me, and they told me to come. They wanted me to play fullback, and I'd waited, like, a year. So I was like, you know what, like, screw it. I'll go, I'll go to the Saints. I'll play fullback. Like, it's a dream. I went there. I went through camp. And, uh, you know, uh, I got cut and went to the practice squad. And I was weighing probably like 235, to, you know, at, at the most. Once that season got over with, I was like, you know what, I got to get serious about my, about my training. So I gained like 20 pounds, and then I started doing more of the – Field strong stuff. I looked at like the CrossFit football websites, the strongman wads, and I started just kind of adjusting my training for the past three years. Just basically like 
lifting heavy, moving it quick, moving it, not a lot of rest, doing that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, got to replicate the man's of the sport. Yeah. You know, the uh, uh, I kind of had a weird kind of vision, too. Um, so I, I, I started training at CrossFit Gym in, like, 2008. And, you know, we were doing, um, you know, a bunch of Metcon stuff. And then I ended up competing in the CrossFit Games. And then, like, a week later, I went to go train camp with the uh, Patriots. And all of a sudden, like, I went out, I smoked my conditioning test, and all of a sudden we get down to pads for that day one. All of a sudden the ball snaps. And I remember, like, my mind was saying move, and I couldn't get my body to move as fast as I needed it to. And I remember I got beat around the corner at tackle. And I remember I had this, like, like almost like mild panic attack where I realized I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> submaximal <laughs> efforts produce submaximal results. All right. I remember like having to like all of a sudden be like, all right, well, fuck, if this is on one, I'm going to have to jump this count every time, you know, just to, to try to fucking beat these guys because I just didn't feel like I had the same pop in my legs. I ended up getting hurt when I came home. Uh, I had knee surgery and, and was like, you know, coming back to rehab. And that's when CrossFit hit me up about doing CrossFit football. And I pretty much had all of this time to think about everything that I did fucking wrong in my training. I was like, you know what? I'm never going to allow anybody to go down the road that, I'm, that I went down. And so that's where CrossFit football came out and power athlete and all these things was about one day some football player will stumble upon this and he does not need to know the fucking mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really where the stuff came about, you know, hey, if you're going to do something, let's do, you know, short, heavy, hard, fast. Let's, let's bang some heavy weights. You know, the, uh, you know, the idea that to be able to survive a longer Metcon, you have to have a conversion of fast switch and slow switch muscle fibers just to be able to survive that type of stuff. And on the football field, we're five to seven seconds as hard as you can at max intensity. Um, you know, those two are not mutually exclusive, you know, and the idea that, you know, I got to train one and that's really where the whole training kind of took this approach. So I'm stoked that, uh, that you kind of saw that transition. We're like, yo man, I, I got to go this direction. So, yeah. And like one of the biggest things I saw was like, not just like the CrossFit mentality. I, w- I guess if you want to use the word CrossFit, but like these workouts, like took me to like a certain point where, you know, you always hit like, I love like hitting that wall and being able to like push past it. And like my, I remember, I will never forget my rookie year. We're playing, we're playing the Dolphins, the Dolphins in the fourth preseason game. And um, I'm sitting there on special teams and I'm dying. I'm smoked. Like, cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm number two on the depth chart. So, you know, the fourth preseason game, the starters don't play. Sure. So I've been playing, the, I've been playing the whole game, all special teams. And I'm just dying. Like I'm, I'm tired. I don't, I, I'm, I'm over it. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting on punt team, and, like, I'm, I'm sitting there winded, like, about to puke. And I remember thinking, like, dude, I've had this feeling, like, so many times in a lot of my workouts. And I can either, you know, hit this wall right now and jog down the field, you know, it's another play, or I can go and make the most of it. This could be my last NFL play ever and make a tackle. And I went down there and I made the tackle. And I'm not saying that credit to myself, like, oh, I made a tackle, but just about, like, how, like, that kind of – that that bear, that workout, no matter what workout it was, could have possibly helped me, you know, further my playing career now. So, did uh, in in college, um, what did your strength conditioning look like in college? I mean, I, I know you mentioned Lane Kiflin, uh, who, you know, I, I don't know much about the guy other than the fact that uh, you know, having gone to Berkeley, I'm uh, basically dislike everything USC. So I, <laughs> I just kind of you know, I'm living here in Orange County, which is like the fucking 
the, the hotbed for the SC douchebags. Yeah, Trojan cat. Oh, it's fucking worse. I drive by and I don't want to throw like rocks at all my neighbors that have the SC flags up. So I just always kind of paid attention to that and I was surprised when he went out there. Uh, but uh, what did the strength conditioning look like out there? I mean, was it, uh, was it more uh, like kind of NFL based? Was it kind of more mat drills? Like what did it look like? Well, I went, since we had so many head coaches, I went through like four or five uh, strength and conditioning coaches. So I saw, I saw so many different types of like programming. Uh, Like, like one, one of our coaches, he'd have us come in at 5 a.m. every morning and we'd run one or we'd run a half gassers. Mm -hmm. So we'd run like 10 half gassers and then we'd up down for our rest and then do it again. And then like, uh, then we'd go to class, then we'd have to come back late in the afternoon and do our strength portion. Uh, yeah, so you had a little dawn patrol every morning? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, it actually kind of sucked because, like, a bunch of guys lost, like, a ton of weight. Sure. Because back in college, like, you're not eating – you're not thinking about your food as kind of, like, your job at that age, I would say. Like, now it's like if I – like, you know, I'm constantly thinking about when's my next meal, when's my next meal. But back in college, it was kind of like, all right, well, I have it. I'm bored right now. I'll go eat or whatever it was. Well, but, shit, uh, we were in college, shit. We had like, uh, you know, 740 bucks a month was our scholarship check. My rent was like yeah. 75, and we only had a training table for one meal during uh, during the season. So yeah. It was so far below the poverty line that, like, I remember, like, I remember one of my one of the guys I played with was like, you know, we can probably go get some food stamps. And, uh, I mean, like, we were so far, you know, so like it, it just, uh, I remember, uh, one of my NFL moments was like when I first got paid, I remember I went to the grocery store and I was like, I could fucking buy all of this cheese. <laughs> like, like, it was, like it was the weirdest thing. Like there's cheese. I was like, I can afford all of this. Yeah. And I go over and like, normally you're like over there, like doing this deal. You're like, ah, shit, man. Okay. If I get some cheese only meat, on Saturday, I could probably get like a pound of this. And I remember oh. being like, I can get like 10 pounds of this fucking like $300 or like the $30 fillets. And I, I like that, that was like the the best thing when like, I finally realized I could afford all of the food I wanted to eat. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. fucking buy everything. Yeah. Exactly. Austin, Austin, did you have a uh, Benny Wiley one year at Tennessee? Yeah, I did. He, he was awesome. I, I mean, I got to like be close with him, like in a relationship wise, he was always kind of a good like mentor to me. Uh, but he was, do you know him? Yeah, yeah, I worked under him at UT in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yoked up, isn't he? He's huge. Yeah, it was hilarious. Whenever we had a recruit walk in, Benny would get a call in 30 minutes before the walk down, and he'd just put on tight spandex, get a pump, and then walk the kid around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, loves, he loves doing forearms. He always wanted to do, like, forearms and biceps. That's all he wanted to do. He's like the most jack-get-back coach in the world, huh? <laughs> yeah. I saw he's on some – he's going about to be on some, like, show. They have, like, some show coming out soon, like, where their team – like, these personal trainers are, like, teamed up with these, like, average, like, house moms and stuff. And, like, they have to, like, go through obstacle courses and stuff. And I saw Benny Wiley as one of the contestants. Dude, uh, if you guys don't know, there's um, strength coaches have a dual purpose in college in the NFL. They're known as what's called get back coaches. So in the so like if you watch like during the game, there's like coaches, uh, you know, obviously headsets. Get back coaches, right? <laughs> so, so so like uh, all like the coaches and everybody are there and the players. And uh, if there, there's usually like different sections, you'll see them painted. If the players or the coaches get too far on the field, they'll get a penalty. So they put the strength coach in charge of making sure that people don't like get too far out of their space. 
So we used to call them the fucking get back coaches. Get back, get back, get back. And so all the streets are basically professional get back coaches. And I'd be like, it'd be fucking game day. And I'd be like, hey, you need to fucking lock in and make sure that he gets on the field. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to fucking win and lose based on your – I used to fuck with the strength coaches so bad. And I'd fucking all of a sudden they'd be standing there like, get back. And I'd fucking push them on the field. And they're like, well, Lord, stop fucking with me. I'm going to get back, get back. <laughs> and we, we used to fuck with those dudes nonstop. So my favorite is, uh, you know, it's always a strength coach. Um, is uh, like the, the one dude, I forgot, at USC that like tripped the kid, I think. Was it SC or what uh, was that? Where he actually, those were like New England, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's basically get back coach got too far on the field and tripped somebody. So uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was in college, that, uh, but that was at New England, huh? I, I think it was a college. There was a college that did it, too. It happens more – more than we hear about, but yeah. So I know it was the Eagles. Uh, there was an Eagles. Oh, Eagles! Right. It was the Eagles. That's what but, it was. But you don't call those string coaches the uh, the get back coaches. You never heard that? Oh, I, I've heard that, and oh. it's hilarious that you say that because it's so true, and they're so annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> they, a, they piss like, me this off. Fucking, this is this is their game day. I get it. Fucking get back, get back, and we just dude. Fucking, I would crush that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, like I'm not, I'm not in on every play, so like I have to listen to the personnel. So like I'm like up by the coaches giving the personnel grouping, and our strength coach come up like Austin, get back, get. And I was like, I hear you, like shut up. Oh, dude, yeah, we used to fuck with those dudes nonstop. That's why I would always go like sit on the bench. Like I, I never get over there. I either was on the field or like sitting, like I'd just hang out by the bench in the back and just be like, I can't get near these fucking guys. But then the other problem too is uh, if you sit on the bench or anywhere near the bench, your position coach will see you and uh, come over and talk to you about random shit mm-hmm. that like, you I don't, don't want to fucking, well, yeah. like, uh, you know what? Like if you're trying to coach me on game day, uh, either I suck or you failed. Like at that point, like the haze in the barn, go out there and fucking do your job. Like, uh, like the worst is we come over and they want to go over all the cutups, like the, the fucking printout. So what they do is they get all this video and they like want to show you all this shit. And you're like, dude, we fucking saw this all week, dude. You're not going to teach me something on, uh, you know, the three minutes we're on the sideline. There's going to be this revolutionary shit. And then the coaches are fucking going crazy. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. Just let the, the fucking real. Let the kids play. Dude, you got to let those guys play. Uh, so like we used to like kind of like go over and sit down for a second. And the coach come over and just fucking walk. <laughs> They'd be like, where are you going? I'll be like, oh, I'll be over here hiding. Fuck away from me. So. The joys of NFL football, dealing with a bunch of people I don't want to be in a foxhole with. Yeah. Fucking worst. So, Austin, go, let's go back to Tennessee. and ju- Like, how would you compare and contrast over the three coaching staffs just that training? You know, so we got Benny's training, which is forearms and biceps. Uh, then and you performance had your- polos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I had uh, um, Johnny Long. So, he was my, my freshman year. He was going to be – he was a lot more Olympic lifting type. I didn't have him for a short period of time, but we we would like snatch and power clean and do all that. And then, uh, and I always could tell a lot by a strength coach, like looking back now, based off the standard of the squat, because like some of my strength coaches back in the day, they would like, you know, guys would literally go down two inches to like the little pole or the line and come back up and get good lifts or like giving them the spot up. And then like, you know, so that's kind of how. I, and then I, one of my strength coaches was uh, he has a military background. Uh, his, McKeefrey was his last name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's what's his name? Um, um, 
uh, he's buddies with, uh, with with Ben from Train Heroic. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how we know that guy. Yeah, McKeever. Yeah, yeah, he was good too. Uh, you know, he was more. He liked doing like UFC stuff. Like we'd have like a guy come in there. We'd like do stuff with our hands and fight and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. But like everyone brought like their own little thing. But most of it all was bodybuilding in the weight room. Uh, we always did like one tens. McKeefrey like doing like three hundred yard sprints, which now uh, I gotta really the, see the the three hundred yard shuttles. Yeah. So you had to run like uh, was it like either five or six fifties or sixties? Yep. That was like the uh, in college. Uh, my strength coach Todd Rice. That was like the gold standard. Was the fucking three hundred yard shuttle, and you had the choice of either five sixties or six fifties. So what do you select? Uh, fucking the barrel. Just chew I'm, on a barrel no, no, and fucking dude, pull the trigger. I'm, I'm, I'm all about less is more. So, like, to me, the 560s means less, less turns, yeah, right? Yeah. No, so, for sure. Yeah, less turns. So, that, that was the one. I remember uh, uh, we did it one year. We did the 560s, and I did fine. And then all of a sudden, we went to the 650s, and I fucking imploded. It was like a monkey jumped on my back on that last <laughs> one. The year, the year before I got to New Orleans, they, their conditioning test was 300-yard shuttles. And then once the year I got there, that's when that was Sean Payton's suspension year. And then the year I got there, Sean Payton comes back and he implements like CrossFit into our like Fran. Workouts. He's like, hey, we're doing Fran for our conditioning. Hey, is uh, is uh, uh, is Scotty uh, Scotty still fucking fat ass? Still your uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know Scotty. Oh, that fat piece of shit. <laughs> he was our uh, he he was one of the assistants when I was in Philly, and uh, oh gosh, such a douchebag. Yeah. What's the conditioning test look like now, Austin? Well, we've had three of them now, or two, yeah, three. So, like, the first the first year we did it, it was – I can tell you exactly what it was. It was 10 power cleans, uh, 15 burpees, 20 squats on the ball, like a, on a med ball, and then you ran 10 back, 20 back, 30 back. Uh, that's one round. You did three rounds of that for time. Did you design that? Coach Payton supposedly wrote that workout, and That's like the so worst many, workout I've ever heard. It like you should have seen it. It was it was bad. The power cleans were like the power clean weight was like one eighty five or something like that. Like a straight up girl. The guys' backs were shot. We had one guy go to the hospital because he was like he couldn't breathe. And you couldn't even hear anything in the in the special teams meeting that night because everyone had that cough, you know. Yeah, we were, in, we were inside, and like you could, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so bad. So then, like the following year, they're like, all right, we got to take out like the barbell stuff and all that. So we did like uh, it's like ten ball slams or fifteen ball slams, uh, ten hand release push ups, and then you push the sled half half the field. And then you ran to the – so you're, you're, you're going across the field. So you push the sled half the field, you run to the other side and back. So it was like a gasser, but you would yeah. push, push the sled halfway. Yeah. And you did like five rounds of that or something like that, which was a little better because – but then like guys complaining that like the turf, there were certain parts on the turf that were didn't slide as well as others. You know, oh, everyone geez, always yeah. has some kind of excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you all have those workout heroes, like the, the bubble players that are just going balls – Balls out on the workout to make the like the the starters look. Oh yeah, you, you definitely have those guys. And my, I'll admit, my rookie year, I was that guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I, I do CrossFit. I'm, I'm gonna definitely dominate this workout. And I, 
But yeah, you got the guys, or or you have like the the rookies that are like go balls out in the very beginning, and then they just tank, so they ultimately fail their conditioning test. Yeah. Because how the, how they judge one thing I liked was how he uh, how they judge the uh, like if you pass fail on these type of workouts was they took it so when you did that 10 10 10 and then you push the sled that was one round and they got your time from that round so you wanted to keep a consistent time each round okay. so if like if your last round fell off by like 20 seconds to you know a minute then you then you failed the conditioning test would you would you rest between rounds or was it just running clock well no you got to sandbag the shit out of that thing. yeah 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 yeah, it was like I think you had like it was like each round had, you had three minutes, so it was three minutes for each round. You remain you rested the remainder of the three right. minutes. Okay. Do you uh, do you think that um, adding some elements of that kind of mixed modal kind of deal um, help or hurt the team in terms of overall for, like performance? Uh, you talking about like kind of how we do the conditioning uh, test and stuff? Well, no, I, I just always wondered, like, um, you know, uh, like whenever, you know, an NFL team has a lot of success and yeah. then all of a sudden they, like, you know, have less success, people always kind of look at things and be like, well, what changed? You know, and right. I know that, you know, New Orleans had done so well for so long and then the last couple seasons has kind of like, you know, and yeah. like, you know, what changed? You know, uh, Sean Payton, is it players? I mean, quarterback, like, like what changed? And, um, you know, I always wonder if, uh, you know, like maybe you know, was it training? Was it players? Like you know, I mean, are you guys poised for a new year? Like, like you know, compared to, I mean, because dude, there was a time where fucking New Orleans was powerhouse, dude, unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, watching, you know, the the defense was fast. I mean, special teams. I mean, just really, really played a, a you know solid game. So I'm just wondering, kind of, you know, was it a change in philosophies? Like, you know, how did it all kind of, you know, yeah, like. You know, like, my, my first year I got there, we when we, like, started doing, like, some of this, like, uh, Sean Payton brought, like, it was, we had a good year that year. We went, like, I think we won the first round of the playoffs, and we ended up losing the second round to Seattle, who ultimately went on to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, I felt like that team, like, when we did those workouts and stuff, it was, like, really competitive. And I thought it brought, like, a, a, a good competitive nature. And we had camp in New Orleans. Uh, we had like a lot of leaders on the team, like older guys, veteran guys that you that I think you ultimately need on the team, even if their sure. their production isn't where it used to be. I think their presence helped so much. And you know, I, I don't, I'm not like pointing anything. I don't know what what the issue was, but then we we the, my second year we moved camp to West Virginia at the Greenbrier, so we started having camp there. Which I don't know. I would wouldn't say that that's the problem because I mean I mean we're just changing locations. Sure. But that changed. Uh, we lost, like, a lot of veteran guys uh, that, you know, I think the, the they thought were replaceable, which kind of hurt us in our leadership factor. Sure. And, uh, you well, know, I just think it's, uh, it's a bunch of stuff that kind of – Yeah, it's kind of a, like, not, not just one thing. I mean, that's, that's probably uh, one of the most insightful and one of the most underrated things that people don't realize about an NFL team is that, you know, you have these kind of veteran leadership and where that becomes most apparent is uh, when all of a sudden shit starts going south. Because you have this weird, it's kind of like um, like in the Army, you have like in, uh, enlisted guys, you have officers, and then you have obviously, uh, you know, the higher-ups. But it's like, you know, all of a sudden there's this kind of weird deal where you have like your officers, but then there's like the uh, uh, the enlisted guys that are like your chiefs that are in charge. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like when the young guys don't know what to do, they fucking don't go to the, uh, like those guys aren't really leading day to day. And so I always think like if your officers are, are like your, you know, coaches per se, and then your list of guys are the players, yeah. you have to have that kind of veteran leadership that sits at the top because all of a sudden when things are going south or you're down in a game or, you know, things aren't going right or there's some bullshit like, you know, who knows, stupid stuff going on in the locker room. You always need those older dudes that can go like, one, settle everybody down, sort some shit out, or come up with a big play when all of a sudden things look fucking dismal. And, um, you know, that was that, that was kind of interesting for me. I remember being a young guy, and there was old dudes. Uh, you know, when I was a young dude, like, I came in, and, like, you know, these old guys kind of took us under their wing, and then all of a sudden I show up, and they cut all those old guys. And then, like, I was the starter as a rookie. And I'm, like, looking around, and I'm like, where those old guys go that were talking about, you know, doing stuff? And now all of a sudden they're gone, so... I always think that, like, you know, that's the problem with the NFL is always constantly looking to, like, stay younger. And, you know, we got we to replace this guy and, you know, stay younger. And then they end up kind of losing those dudes. And I think that's really where you get a lot of that veteran leadership, which is just such mm-hmm. a deal. But it's kind of a sad deal. But um, it's the fucking nature of the game, dude. All of a sudden, you hit, like, seven, eight years and 30 years old. And all of a sudden, expiration date starts popping up on you real fast. Yeah. It's amazing how, like, experience really does, like, come into factor – in the NFL and in that working world because guys that have just been there, done that, they just get it. And, like, that's why you don't see these rookies coming in. Like, it's very seldom you see, like, a rookie come in and just dominate because it's just – it's a different it's a different beast. I mean, you know, you can actually be an average uh, college player and come in and actually be really successful in the NFL. And, you know, there's just something to it that you know, some people just can't, you know, grasp. But don't they always talk about, like, I remember every year they're like, oh, this rookie – and I'd be like, sure, see what he yeah. does. And, and yeah. you know what? And, and like it, the other one, too, and what most people don't factor in is that, you know, in college, your season's 10, 11, 12 weeks. You got maybe a week or two of training camp. That's like 12, 13 weeks. Uh, in an NFL season, that's like the first quarter of the season because you're in training camp for like, you know, three, four, five weeks, and you get to there, and it's like all of a sudden, like, you know, you hit like mid, you know, uh, you know end of like November, early December, and you see these rookies coming in, like somebody shit on them, and you're like, dude, you're all right. They're like, man, I'm so fucking tired. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? We're just getting ready to go, get you know, make a run on this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like this ain't no time, you know, time to be tired. Let's go. And I think that was the biggest thing with young guys is just seeing like how fast they broke down. And um, is that an inability to pace, or is it just, just it's never, a, it's a it's a new it's a new gear they yeah. hit, and they just gotta you just gotta well, fucking stress to progress. Well, that that might, I, I think in college there's like this idea where you're like a student athlete. Right? So you have a life, you go to school, you play, and there's requirements. All of a sudden you get to the NFL and they're like, this is all you do. You yeah. show up there and, you know, we would show up at, you know, 630 in the morning. We would train. Our first meeting was at, you know, we'd watch film at eight, you know, and then it's like, you know, first meetings at nine. And then all of a sudden you're there to lunch and, you know, like you leave at four or five o'clock at night and you do that every day. Like there is no social life. There is no school. There is no like NCAA requirement on it. I think it's just for a lot of young guys. It's just really overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know? Now, um, having retired, I miss it because uh, it was nice to show up and never have to think about what you were going to do that day. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, I remember I retired and I was like, now what the fuck am I going to do? Your whole life had been a schedule. Yeah, since, you know, really since, you know, you think about it, you start playing at 14 years old for over 20, almost 20 years of my life, every single day was regimented with a schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was kind of like, I mean, you, you obviously know the feeling after the season ends when all of a sudden you have your exit meeting, you know, and you come in and the coach goes, okay, I'll see you guys in a couple months. And everybody looks over and they're like, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. 
it's fucking plane tickets, limo, you know, people go crazy. And it's like, all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I guess I don't, you know, get in trouble, you know? <laughs> so the joys of it, but no, it's, it's a, it, it was a lot of fun. I'm sure dude, like um, you relate, like it was uh, one of the most rich, fun experiences I've ever had for not only just the, the competition aspect, but you know, the ability to go out and do that job at a high level and, you know, be able to do it with your friends. I mean, hopefully some guys you like and, a lot of guys you don't, but nevertheless, you guys always have a, a common mission, which is to go out and beat people's asses, which is yep. really uh, interesting when you get out, when you, when you stop playing, you're like, fuck, I don't get to go out and just, uh, you know, fucking strap up a helmet and get out all of my anger every single day on some poor fucker on the field. It's, yeah, the, that was the biggest adjustment for me was that uh, I didn't have the ability to go, like, let out my aggression on things. You know, and that's, yeah, that's sad. I think I think the world would be a better place if everybody got to strap up a fucking helmet and go beat go fucking day. beat wholesale ass. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's um, so uh, any uh, any injuries? Anything you're dealing with right now, like training wise, like any goals, like um, you know, give give us kind of a rundown of where you're at, how you're feeling. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, you know how it is. Every there's always something going on, uh, but I, I you know I, I had some problems with my toe with the turf toe thing. I had like a bone spur in there. I ended up getting that kind of fixed up a little bit. And then, uh, but like most stuff just kind of, I needed the rest. Like the off season's such a crucial time because like just taking time off and just like getting your body rested. So I ramped things back up a few, like about a month or month and a half ago. And, um, it's been fun getting back into it. And, but obviously like, talk about like a regimen and uh, doing all that. Like in the off season, like you get done training and getting done with your massages and taking care of your body. And then it's kind of like, all right, what do I do now? I just sit around and do nothing all day. <laughs> so it's like, and now, now I'm kind of like antsy. Yeah. I'm like antsy to get back to New Orleans and get things ramped up again. And then I know like whenever camp hits, I'm be halfway through camp and be like, shit. I wish I could get back to off season where I was doing nothing. Cause it, it sucks. Uh, where, uh, where, where do you live down in like New Orleans, like Metairie, that area? I live uh, in the warehouse district, so it's like oh, downtown. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Nice. Yeah, I know sure. New Orleans. Uh, I, I trained for the combine when I was out um, in uh, out in uh, Kenner, like Metairie area. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tom Shaw, who's out actually out yeah. in Orlando now. So I, yeah, I went down and worked out with Tom Shaw down there. So I used to kick oh, nice. a little bit. Yeah. It's a fun city. I mean, it took me a little while to get used to it. New Orleans definitely uh, different, and you got to kind of be uh, – you kind of got to be be from there to kind of fit in there. So, But being like a Saints guy, uh, they obviously, you know, open up to you a lot more. So once I've been in there, got plugged in, like it's been a lot more fun, and I've enjoyed being in the city. Yeah, no, I, I had a good time when I was down there. Uh, it was um, – uh, and then I, I lived in Tampa in the off-seasons. And so uh, I lived down there for a long time. So we used to, uh, you know, jump on the plane and come over to New Orleans a lot in the off season. And my buddy, uh, uh, Kyle Turley at the time was playing for the Saints. So I used to come over and kick with Kyle a bit. And uh, he was like a fucking rock star in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like married or anything. So I'm not like tied down to any, you know, any place, which is kind of nice. You're living John's dream. NFL athlete. I'm enjoying it. CrossFit gym with a bunch of CrossFit oh, girls just fuck. wandering around shaking Dude, their ass. I, uh, it's great. My, my, <laughs> my only regret, and uh, not, not my only regret, but uh, I'm sad that I wasn't a little bit younger because if I had been uh, single playing the NFL, I would have joined every single CrossFit gym within like 10, like 100 miles. 
<laughs> I would have fucking traveled just to drop in on CrossFit gyms. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd be, I, I would have been on Instagram and been like, where does she train? Can we take a trip? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. I play in the end. Oh, it's so nice. You want to go get a shake or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, look at the grin on his face. Uh, he knows what's up. Yeah, well, he's hey. hey, hey uh, uh, so when I came in the NFL, I was uh, a you know, young guy. I had a girlfriend from college, and I remember uh, – there was like, you know, all the old dudes, like I think it was four rookies. And like, there was, I think like, you know, 10 old guys. Um, like seven of them were divorced. Two were separated and one was in the process of getting a divorce. And I remember they were, they made, they gave me some great advice. They were like, man, for some reason, uh, being married in the NFL doesn't really work that well. And they were like, if, if you want to, you know, guaranteed on staying married, having a happy deal, uh, don't think about it until you retire. And I was like, really? Oh, that sounds all right. And then I'll, and then that's what I ended up doing. I ended up with single my NFL career. And then I got married after, uh, just because, uh, you know, playing in the NFL dude, it's fairly selfish. Yeah. You know, and being a parent and being married is actually the opposite of being selfish. Like uh, being a parent is like the most anti-selfish thing you do because the kids are so selfish. I mean, it's all about them mm -hmm. and, you know, being married, splitting time. Like I can't imagine, uh, having, you know, the time and effort, that I put into not only playing, training, eating, and just enjoying my life. Like I would never have traded that, you know, and like the, you know, and then the other, you know, now that I'm, you know, out of it and I'm married and I got kids and stuff, like I'm really glad I did it that way. Like there was really no regrets. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that, uh, you know, you're a young guy out there, you know, just living your life, having a good time and like, you know, doing that. Cause I mean, I, I remember dudes I played with, that had like three and four kids and we're trying to be dads and husbands and this and doing all these things. I'm like, man, fuck, that just seems really overwhelming. Like, I just I know, like coming back from practice or something like that or a tough game and having to answer a bunch of questions when you got home. Like, I can't even imagine that right now. Dude, like, the like I love going back to my apartment with no one there and just sitting there and being by myself for the for the night. Uh, I can – let me tell you, um, I could not agree more. I dream of coming home and nobody being home. Just uh, – it's impossible. I got three kids now and a wife, so, I mean, I'm, I'm never by myself. Um, my only joy is when I get here to the office early and Luke doesn't show up. And I'm here by myself. <laughs> I can do that every day if you want. And, uh, you should just work from home. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Like it, it's, um, you know, and I don't think people realize this, but to really, uh, you know, be really good at your job and to really do, you know, the job that you're doing and do it at a high level, you have to be a selfish person. You're like, yeah. it has to be about you. You're like, man, I want to train. I want to sleep. Uh, I want to, I want to eat. I want to enjoy my life. And I want to like, you know, relax. And, you know, the problem is, is that you can't burn the candle at both ends and be successful. I mean, some guys can, I couldn't, like, I couldn't have all of this going on over here and be successful over here. And I think uh, for a lot of guys, they just keep so much on your plate. And I'm like, dude, like, just take a deep breath, man. Like, like do, you know, be good at what you're at. And, um, you know, and fucking enjoy it. Cause I don't think a lot of guys really take the opportunity to really enjoy what they're doing. And it, you know, it happens so fast. I mean, dude, I played 10 years and like, it seemed like the blink of an eye. Like I remember all of a sudden I retired and I was like, shit, that went by really fast. And it's just cause you're in the, you know, you're in the fight and you're kind of living it and doing it. And then all of a sudden you get out, yeah. you take a step back and you're like, man, that was, that was pretty fucking awesome. And somebody paid me a lot of money to go beat people's asses and lift weights and train. And, you know, and, uh, now what? Now what do we do? So, that's yeah, I got. Yeah, I. Uh, so, like, what I, I I know my ex my ex girlfriend won't be listening to this, so I can say this, but she uh, she 
so I had a, when I first got to New Orleans, I had a girlfriend and she was like, and I, I went down there and I told her like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, you know, this has been my dream. Uh, I'm probably going to be very selfish. Like I'm going to, I want to focus on this. We won't be able to talk as much. She was like, oh, okay, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Two months later, she calls me and like, Hey, I think we, I need to move there. Like, uh, you know, I want to move forward in our relationship. This is my rookie year. And I was like, that's not what I want. I don't want that. I don't want you moving here. I don't even know if I'm going to make the team. She's like, uh, well, that's what I want. It's over. And I was like, all right, bye. See ya. Yeah. Oh, you're like, that was so easy. <laughs> and so, like, think about it now. Like, I could have went through my career, like, with a girlfriend, got engaged probably my rookie year. I could be having, like, my first kid right now. But, uh, you know, that decision now is looking, like, sweeter and sweeter every day. So, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you this, dude. The, uh, the dad that I am today is a much better father than I would have been if I had had kids early on. Just yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just the amount of time and effort and like, you got to be able to appreciate it a little bit. You got to have some fucking perspective. Like, you know, having been through different trials and tribulations, lived in different places, experienced different things, it just gives you a much more rich experience. Whereas, um, you know, like, um, I had a, a, you know, like these, some people that, you know, were in preschool with, so the parents that the dad just had his 40th birthday and he's like, Oh, you know, he's having all these problems with it. And he was kind of asked my wife, you know, when they were, when we were out, he's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm having these issues. And she's like, you know, did, uh, you know, how does John feel about it? And she's like, I don't think he gives a shit. And he's like, really? Why? He's like, cause I think in his, uh, you know, for a bunch of years of his life, he lived a life he exactly wanted to. And, you know, now at this point you're living the life that you want. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, have a lot of regrets. So all of a sudden when they get a little bit older and they hit a couple like milestones, like a 30 or 40 years old, people get this feeling of regret. Like I haven't accomplished or did the things that I wanted to. And whereas, uh, you know, somebody asked me, you know, like if you die tomorrow, would you feel fulfilled? I'd be like, honestly, when I get up there, the dude's going to look at me and be like, you had a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, go that way. And so, you know, and I think that's what you should do. You know, you should go out. I mean, dude, you have a job that less than, you know, 0.001% of the population ever gets to do. You get to, you know, that feeling of putting on the game day uni and fucking running out of the tunnel and hearing your name called in front of 100,000 people cheering is like, uh, you know, a phenomenal deal to be able to go out and play that game and fight one-on-one and battle and do all those things. I mean, is, uh, is killer. And, um, dude, I, I wish everybody got to experience that, but very few people do. And so with that, I think you just the perspective of having that opportunity. I mean, you know, fucking enjoy it. And, uh, you know, and, and like, you know, look at it like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, and like you may have said, you said it perfectly, like, be selfish, dude. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like people equate selfish with, uh, with being bad, but I look at it like, fuck, that's the only way that you're ever going to be the best at what you want to be is to be a little selfish on that end. You got fucking the rest of your life to be unselfish. So fucking good for you to fucking makes me smile, brings, you know, fucking warms my heart. It was like, I remember uh, when I was an older guy, uh, these young guys would come in and all this, and I'd be like, yo, you're doing it all fucking wrong. Like, take a deep breath, you know, enjoy this shit, because you might be home tomorrow, you know? And they'd be like, oh, no, right. no, I can buy a house and get married. And all that get those shit. rims. Like, but yeah, I, I always tell these guys, the, my favorite story was um, this fucking dipshit bought, like, I think it was like 20 pairs of rims and had them delivered to the stadium, and they were in front of his locker. Because, uh, you know, his rims kept cracking out on the, uh, out on the big dips. And so he just ordered a whole bunch of rims because he got some deal on a volume order, and uh, but yet had nowhere to store them and no way to get them home. So he had to pay the fucking equipment dude to store them in the back of the equipment room. 
<laughs> and the dude had like 20 sets of rims. It was like, it was fucking crazy. I was like, yeah. he boxes up and I was, they, they asked me, what's the stupidest thing I saw? I was like, the dude that bought 20 sets of rims. <laughs> I mean, it had to be $75,000 worth of fucking rims. The guys spending money is just another whole discussion on that stuff. Dude, I, I you know, like, I, I think they think I'm fucking with them, but I'm like, I've seen people do the dumbest shit where you're like, like, um, do, uh, do, do, uh, uh, and I'm sure you don't do this. I'm, I'm gauging by your attire right now, but some of the guys we used to play used to have a uh, little fashion contest about who they, they would like. Uh, a lot of the DBs and a lot of the guys and linebackers, they would have these, uh, like little dress up thing on road games. And they would like show up for like their little fashion show, and then everybody would vote on who the winner was, and they put like a pot of money together on it. The fucking outfits dudes would show up in would blow your fucking mind. It was I like, mean, it's, yeah, that's retarded. And then like, <laughs> guy, like I, I know guys this year that were like, hey, hey, awesome, like some of the younger guys, hey, we we get like a player performance bonus right in the off season. I'm like, yeah, man, but that shouldn't be like. Don't think of that as like another check, like. You know, that should go to, like, savings and stuff. He's like, well, you know, I got I – got, I've saved up a little bit, man. I got, like, you know, 50 grand left. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, you made 600 grand this year and you got 50 grand left? Are you kidding me? Dude, the like, way that shit happens is, uh, you know, a set of gators costs you $5,000 and you got them in 20 different colors. <laughs> like, I swear to dude, a, a guy showed up in custom size 14 yellow gators. You got to have gators at all times. That was a big deal. I mean, uh, mink coats, mink hats. I mean, like, dude, Louis Vuitton, like the craziest shit. And then uh, I, I actually went the other way, and I was trying to figure out outfits that were just above the bar by this much to where I wouldn't get fined. <laughs> I had, like, a baby blue corduroy jacket that had the patches on the elbows. Oh, and nice. Like, they, they were like, you have to wear a collared shirt. So I had, like, a polo shirt with a tie on. <laughs> And then, like, uh, oh, dude, they like, clip on? Oh, no, it was a tie tie, but with Fancy. a polo shirt. They were like, <laughs> you have to have a shirt with a collar and a tie. And then they, like, we had to wear a sports coat. So I had this baby with the patches. Uh, dude, it was, it was so over a top. And I just remember uh, we, we had to have leather shoes. And so I was wearing uh, suede bands. Yeah. And, like, I remember, yes. like, they, like, uh, I remember Andy Reid coming by and just being like, just shaking his head at me. And I'm like, I'm wearing a collar and a fucking shirt. It just, to me, it seemed fucking stupid to like waste all this money on stupid shit. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, like a fucking uh, size triple X mint coat, like really $40,000 on a fucking coat. It's worthless to me, but hey, it's Easter on, I guess. Now, if that was the weekend in Vegas with a bunch of steak dinners, I got no problem spending that. Yeah, that's I'm different. I'm not spending that on fucking gators and a mint coat. Unless we're eating the gators. I, I was telling these guys uh, one, one year we went out in Vegas and I was, um, I, uh, I like to gamble, but I don't like to lose. So it's like this weird thing where I, I enjoy gambling, but I don't like to lose. So I just don't gamble because I hate to lose more than I like to gamble. And so we were there playing these tables and I think I've, I've won like five or $600. And so I'm sitting next to this dude who was a, you know, first rounder, you know, played in the NFL a long time, you know, big money dude. And he's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm up like, you know, 600. He's like, oh, I'm down like 750. I'm like, oh. And then I look over and I'm playing like $100 chips and he's playing like $10,000 stacks. And I realized <laughs> yeah. he was down $750,000. Nope. And I was, uh-huh. I, thank God I was up $600. <laughs> I mean, I was just hoping to get some fucking in and out on my drive home. Yeah, right. You know? And uh, yeah, but just, I'm sure we could talk for fucking hours about just the decadence and 
the fucking way people blow money. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So it's the good stuff, though. You get a good laugh out of it. It's good stories later on in life. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, you, you're never shocked by anything. So what's this season look like for you, Austin? I mean, what are you going in? Uh, got your mind right? Ready for your yeah, I mean, contest? My what contest? Your Metcon? Uh, uh, yeah, my, the, the condition test? Yeah, the condo test. The condo. Right. Uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, we should, you know, they've, they've made a lot of changes this offseason, so uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you just never know. Honestly, like this league, such so, like so much about like the smallest margin that your season could change, you know, so drastically, so quickly. But me personally, you know, I just, you know, the reason this like it's gone so fast for me. Like I'll never forget, like rookie year, I was like, you know, I'd love to just play for one year. Let me make it one year, and then one year turned into two years, and then now I'm going into my fourth season. It's kind of like it just goes by so fast because you're always fighting and trying to just make it. And once you make it, it's like, all right, think about, it's all it's all about week to week. It's not about, you know, people don't kind of forget that, like, even though, you know, you make the opening day roster or, like, you know, they make the final cuts, uh, guys get cut all week, every week. And, like, so it's it's stressful and, like, you know, it, it, you, you take it week to week and then the next thing you know the season's over and you're in the offseason again. Well, that's uh, especially for you too. You're kind of that pivotal, kind of vested deal, where uh, you know three years, three games. So you're going in your fourth year. This is like a big year for you in terms of getting vested. Right. So I need, I need, I need three games, and so, yeah. So, you know how that is. <laughs> so then, Austin, do you let, think that stress helps your performance? The what? You think that high level of stress helps you be the best Austin Johnson you can be every day? I do because, like, I, I like, how, you know, one, I like having a chip on my shoulder. I like, you know, kind of – I had heard, like, the scouts had said, like, when I first got there that I couldn't – they didn't think I could play in the NFL. And so, like, I always kind of looked at that like, all right, that's fine. Like, you know, I mean, I wasn't always – you know, I've obviously been blessed with a lot of good abilities and attributes and traits. and uh, But um, the stress, like – it doesn't really get to me because I, I've, I've had it my whole life. And like, that's just part of the game. Like it's going to be stressful, but as long as you're prepared and ready to go. And like, I know I'm going to be that when it comes Sunday, the game, it, the game's easy. So, but like being a fullback is like, you don't really know like how much you're going to play or, uh, you know, kind of going in every season is, all right, are they still going to be using a fullback a lot? Or is it going to start moving away from using a fullback? I get that question every camp. Like, oh, well, you're seeing these many teams not use fullback anymore. Like, do you think that's going to happen with y'all? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I can't control that. But I do really well on special teams, so I know I can contribute there. And then uh, when they need me at fullback, I contribute there. So uh, I think ultimately just making myself as versatile as possible kind of and being good at everything that I do, you know, hopefully keeps me around as long as I can. So you went on drafted, which is a challenge, and then you transitioned from linebacker to fullback. Was that your call, scout's call, coach's call? Yeah, well, definitely wasn't my call. I mean, I wanted to play linebacker. Uh, when Kiffin came, he played me at fullback. So I played fullback for one season with, the, with, the, uh, with Tennessee. So when I did my pro day, I did both because I wanted teams to know, like, hey, you know, I mean, I was just trying to make it in the NFL. So I was like, you know, I'll do some running back stuff too. Maybe a team will see me of that. 
And uh, every team I talk to, they're like, you know, we see a linebacker, we see a linebacker. And then the Saints called, and they saw me at a fullback. And at that point, I'd waited the year. So I was like, screw it. I'm going. I'm not, you know, going to wait to see if someone else calls to play linebacker. But uh, the transition, I mean, it's all a mentality, what I've learned. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not the best player out there, and I know that. But I know that I want it more than the guy across from me. I know that he's not going to come in as hard as I'm going to come in. And I'm basically going to beat them. And like, if you go, when I don't have that mentality anymore, then I know that it's probably time for me to, you know, hang it up and not play anymore. But to right now, if I'm lining up, I can easily turn a switch on, you know, in, in two seconds. And uh, when I'm running an ISO, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, scared to run in there and hit the biggest linebacker in there, even though I might not be the biggest fullback. So, well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I always hear that thing where people are like, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, teams get rid of their fullbacks and, I think that's bullshit. If you have a good fullback, nobody gets rid of a good fullback. I think that right. all of a sudden don't have a player all of a sudden go from that. But I mean, shit, dude, I, I can think of uh, every team that I played on, you know, that we had a strong running game. I mean, dude, the year that, you know, uh, you know, all those years with the chiefs with priest Holmes and Larry Johnson, I mean, dude, we had Tony Richardson in there and T rich was like, you know, one of the best, um, you know, John Richie, when I played in, uh, in Philly, I mean, you know, and, and Kevin Turner, who just passed away, you know, he was our fullback my rookie year. And um, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the teams that, you know, have always kind of run that power game and, you know, that, you know, like you said, like inside zone, outside zone, I mean, all that stuff really comes out with the lead blocker. I mean, there aren't too many people that are running a, you know, ace back that's run a solo type deal. I mean, you you, no, you, yeah. you really can't run. I mean, you think about it, like, like how do you run inside, outside power and, you know, all those different deals, like without a, a lead back, it's not going to be tough. And, like, colleges nowadays are going to, like, spreads and everything, so it's hard to find them. So, like, a lot of the fullbacks in the league now are guys that are converted, you know, to uh, either a running back converted or a defensive player converted. So that's what you're seeing more anyways. Did you play with uh, or or against Greg Jones? Greg Jones. He played running back for Florida State. He's, like, you know, yoked up. And then he went to Jacksonville. He played fullback there for, like, seven or eight years, and he, he retired about two years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I can't I, I can't picture his name. I mean, I remember um, – uh, what was his uh, – who was he, would have been, he would have been younger when you were playing, maybe like a rookie. I don't know what yeah, his first year two, was. I, I, I can't remember. 2004 was his first year. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, the, the one dude I always remember is we went down and played Jacksonville. Uh, we uh, Their running back was that little stout dude. Um Maurice Jones Drew. Yeah. Dude, he killed us. Like that, that was like dude. the duo. It was Greg yeah. Jones and Maurice Jones Drew. They were like a duo. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We, we went down there, I want to say, in like 2006 or 2007. And uh, that little dude absolutely killed us. Like he, yeah. he, he fucking uh, – uh, Derek Johnson was our linebacker. And, you know, DJ was a Texas guy and, you know, played a long time. and um, Real bad body. If he's listening to us, I'm going to fucking tear him up. He always had a bad body. But, um, you know, <laughs> such, such a gifted athlete. And I remember that little dude. I mean, and DJ's fast. That little guy fucking smoked him and was, you know, I mean, he went very big. He'd be, what, like every bit of like me, five seven, five eight, And, uh, dude, the dude was killing people. So, he's a good player. Yeah, I'd seen highlights from him, like, on some blitz pickups. Maurice Andrew, and it's – he definitely comes out of his hips on, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's smacking some wow. bulls. Dude, when uh, – so I, I remember uh, uh, I played with uh, LeVon Kirkland. I don't know oh, okay. If, yeah, LeVon yeah. Kirkland was like uh, 
six foot, 300 pound, middle linebacker for the Steelers. And I remember the first time I got to go play against him when he was at Pittsburgh, I came out, I figured this big dude was going to light me up. And I went out there and fucking lunged at him and he fucking olayed me. And I remember I was like, I was like, I thought you were going to hit me. He's like, I ain't trying to hit nobody. <laughs> and uh, yeah. in the next play, I came out and I, I came out a little hesitant and he fucking buried me. And he was, uh, you know, and it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I got you. And then, then he came over to the Eagles and he laughed and he's like, man, I get everybody with that. And he's like, don't feel bad. <laughs> and I was like, so I, I remember uh, when he retired, he gave me one of his jerseys from Pittsburgh and uh, I still got him on my wall. So I, I, I remember all the old guys that were real, um, uh, just contributed to my education as a player. They, you know, I would like at the end of the year, you know, when they, they give you a bunch of jerseys. So I always traded jerseys with all the old guys and I always kept all their stuff just because I was like, when people ask me about him, I'm always like, let me tell you what that guy taught me. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was, a <laughs> that's cool a great guy. one. Yeah. He, uh, so like when, uh, Jared Allen was, uh, a, a rookie when I was, or, you know, was in uh, Kansas city. And so I took him under my wing. And so I remember I gave him my Jersey. He was like, what's it? And I told him and he's like, oh shit, I'm going to do that every year after. So, and, uh, he, he went on and just retired, ended up being a pretty damn good player. Yeah, he had a cool, uh, retirement video. Yeah. Riding off. Yeah. On the horseback. Yeah, he uh yeah, I was supposed to go to his retirement party, but uh, my wife ended up decided to have a baby. So yeah. we ended up having to miss it. But uh no, he was he dude, he he was uh he's a good player, man. And um, you know, really what helped him was um when he came in as a rookie, he got to face Willie Rofe every day. And, you know, Willie Rofe, you know, played in New Orleans for a long time, but uh Willie's probably one of the best offensive linemen I've ever seen in my life. And Willie, yeah, he's a legend yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah, he is yeah, well, I mean, he, he played a lot of tech. And, uh, but, yeah, Willie's fucking beast. And Willie was out there fucking killing him every day. And I remember one day Jared ended up beating him, and we were like, this kid might actually be pretty fucking good. And, yeah. and Jared Allen ended up being a pretty good player. So. I mean, the opportunity, man. You know, had he not had that opportunity, where would Jared Allen be today? Well, yeah. you think about, I mean, every day, I mean, that, uh, that offensive line I played on is considered one of the best in pro football ever. I mean, with uh, Will Shields and Willie Rofe. And, you know, Tony Gonzalez, and then we had this dude named um, uh, 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 Jason, um, fucking forgetting his last name, um, Jason Dunn, who was uh, really an offensive lineman moonlighting as a tight end. He was probably about 6'4", probably about 285 pounds. And, dude, between him and Tony, I mean, that was really how we had all those running yards with Priest Holmes and Tony Richardson. I mean, we just fucking off-tackle, just killing people every play. So we had a pretty good deal in that way. So I felt fortunate just to be included on that one. So, I mean, that's the cool part is you, you get to come in and you get to see all these kind of like, I mean, at least that, that was for me. I remember I got to come in and start as a rookie. You get to like, you're playing with all these dudes and you're like, fuck, I actually know who these guys are. These guys are all really good. Are you sure I should be out here? You know, and then all of a sudden you realize you get a little bit older and you're like, oh, fuck, I do belong out here, you know? So it's a cool thing. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel like that lining up with Drew Brees. You're like, wasn't this dude on the cover of Madden at some point? <laughs> yeah, it definitely was uh... – shocking at first but you know now it's kind of like just another day at work you know yeah where you roll in you're like i thought you would have been taller that was one thing i always remember <laughs> right. like this is a little motherfucker right here i mean and to, to be slinging the ball and running like he does i mean i, I remember when i met drew Brees, i was like he's fucking little dude but i mean that guy fucking slang it that's what you gotta like yeah he's he's awesome too he's a good i'm i'm very lucky to have him as our quarterback so yeah, well, I mean, he's he, he's kind of like a Peyton Manning type guy where, you know, he knows what's going on before everybody else does. I mean, he's yep. been around long enough to where he's uh, not just a student of the game, but guy's a professor of the game. And, um, you know, 
That's he, he makes blitz pick up ten times easier. <laughs> he, he gets up there and he's like pointing stuff out, you know. Sometimes the line gets pissed at him though, because like he'll he'll know there's only four coming, but he knows like the safety's coming, so he, he mics the safety. So now the line's got to pick him up, and the running back gets out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change the protection, slide it that way. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. We see, you know, like when you guys watch it, uh, you know, when they run to the line, you see the center always point out. He's usually always pointing out Mike. So basically, all the protections and the runs are all based off off of the mic call. And then all of a sudden, you see the quarterback slap and change the mic call, and you see a bunch of offensive linemen fucking look over the shoulder, all pissed off because they're like <laughs> yeah. fucking overriding the mic call. So and then you're like, you know, fucking everybody up. So yeah, all right. So any, any big plans this off season? You got anything going on? Any trips? Doing anything fun? Come on, let us live vicariously through you, dude. I I haven't really. I'm. I've been hunting a little bit, so I've been turkey hunting. My dad has some land in South Carolina, so I go up there and I turkey hunt. I've been doing that like all this week. And uh, did you bag a turkey or no? I haven't yet, dude. They're they're pissing me off, dude. They they're are pissing fast, me off. Big blooded birds and fucking like see every fucking thing, dude. dude they see wow. everything and they're gobbling. And then, like when they come off the roost, they're shutting up, and I don't even know where they are. So I try to sneak up on them, and next thing you know, they're running off. So so you're stalking them. Are you bow hunting? Well, I'm having to because they're they're not gobbling right now. I guess yeah. they're all hinned up, so it's kind of screwing up my hunts. But Perfect. no, I wasn't. Uh, I I have killed two turkeys with my bow before, but I'm going with my shotgun because like when I go with my bow, I have to like sit in like a blind the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I like you know kind of running around and chasing them a little, running gunning a little bit more with the shotgun. Sure. So. We, we used to go uh, uh, turkey hunting in Kansas City, and I remember uh, we would sit up in those blinds with the bows, and actually that was pretty fun trying to shoot them. But uh, I was always amazed at how fucking fast those big butted birds move. You know, you think things with big butts yeah. can't move that fast. Those motherfuckers, I mean, they can't fly, but they can fucking jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tough to kill. But no, no, no other really trips planned yet. I mean, I'm going to – got some concerts we're going to some of my buddies and then new orleans there's always stuff going on yeah so we got like we got like jazz fest coming up and then we got you know bayou uh country music fest coming up chris stapleton's coming in town nice so we all we always get hooked up on all those and go to those and kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit nothing's better than otas i mean just kind of being back with the guys and like training every day and just kind of enjoying that together and it's like not really the stress of football yet uh, you know, I think that's it's kind of the best time of the year. Well, that it's a great time in New Orleans. It's not hot yet, and it's still sunny. Yeah, it's great weather. No, I I, I, uh, uh, I like to see Chris Stapleton. Uh, the other guy I've been dying to see is Eric Church. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, we you know it's stuff we listen to here at the office. I mean, uh, but yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. Nice. Text, you got anything else? Yeah, man, Austin, when are we going to get you to a CrossFit football seminar? We got Tennessee in June. Tennessee? Yeah. In June? June what? Sixth. Uh, yeah. First weekend. Okay. Uh, Dude, get out there. We're there. Once you got OTAs. Yeah, I'm trying to think when we get off OTAs. At least just show up and wave and, and uh, just get in there for the pick. Where, where, where'd you say in Tennessee? I think it's at Cooksville. Oh, nice! Yeah, at uh, at Rich Froning, you could you could have a showdown with Rich Froning. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Oh. Dude, the, did y'all do y'all do like the open workouts and stuff? No, I've changed my major. I'm out. Yeah, like those, <laughs> those workouts are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't, I didn't do them. Like, yeah, I, so, like 
I know. Like, I keep my training real, you know, like, I love doing, like, 90-second workouts. Like, I'll go all out, do, like, a 20-calorie 20, 20 dime. Who are you trying to impress at 90 seconds? Come on. Yeah, right. Hey. <laughs> I tell Luke all the time. Who are you trying to impress at 10 seconds? That's right. Hey, like, these, these like, engine ones, like, that are lasting 20 minutes just aren't for me. I'm telling you. Nah, dude. That's, uh, I don't know who that's fucking favorite. That's, that's a Prius engine. Yeah, that's, right. that's no dragster. Yeah, dude, it's a 20-calorie airdyne sprint, maybe four burpees, and 10 kettlebell bur- swings. Burpees? Fuck. No, you got, ni- you got 90 seconds, 20 calories on an airdyne, and AMRAP uh, dumbbell thrusters. Rest 90 seconds and repeat that until uh, you fall off your numbers. I like uh, airdyne sprint and hammer curls. <laughs> oh, some yeah, hammer curls. Hammer curls. That's like our favorite one. Yeah, right I, was warming, I was warming up on the assault bike yesterday, and I decided to just do like a little 15-second sprint, but I was going backwards. Dude, oh. you want to fucking blast your quads? I'm telling you, occlusion, oh, airdyne, mm. reverse pedal. That thing is fucking <laughs> – I'm telling you, it's going to crush people. Okay. So. All right, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in. So, the only way I can get guys uh, with, on my team to work out with me is if I throw in some hammer curls. So. I'll make sure I bring that workout back. Dude, to steady, steady diet of hammer curls can get you right. You know, I mean, the uh, there, there was always the fear of like you know having like the skinny arms hanging out of your jersey. You know, so dude, yeah, you're right. That shit up and do some arms. Like, Man, my arms don't look so good. Like, every every Saturday after walkthrough, we all go in the weight room and have the TV arm day. Oh. Everybody just tries to get swole before Sunday. That was our deal on Fridays. Man, we would go yeah. there. And it was fucking. That's why. Uh, that's where the whole Jack Street thing comes in. We were like, man, there's this place over in Philly. It's called Jack Street. You got to get on it. So that, that was <laughs> nice. from. Yeah. So Friday, and that's why uh, that whole program is called Jack Street. is based up on this, like, you know, what we would do on our Fridays for just bodybuilding shit. And, uh, yeah. That's... You, know, you know, like Broad Street was where the facility was. You got Broad Street. No, no, no. It's Jack Street, dude. Get over here. Let's go. So Occlusion stuff. You get all the benefits without fucking overworking. So yeah, that's definitely a conversation to have. Yeah, dude. If uh, we, we got all this right up on occlusion, the idea is that you – it's like blood flow restricted training. You actually use bands to actually reduce uh, menial blood flow. So what it does is it forces blood to pool in the muscle, and it's got some pretty cool stuff. It ramps up growth hormone like 300 times and also actually has some myostatin blockers. So, you know, like the myostatin bowls, it's got some pretty cool stuff that we've been doing with it, and you can actually use a lighter load. So you don't stress the joint out as much and just the ideas about just fucking flushing the blood. And it actually um, is kind of neat too, because it trains uh, both. Uh, Fast twitch, uh, low twitch? Well, no, it trains um, uh, type AB and type uh, X fibers and also slow twitch. So it's kind of a cool deal. We started using it in all of our finisher stuff, but uh, it fucking works. And you get a fucking sick pump. Dude. Yeah, you get a mean pump. <laughs> I like it. Nothing better than a sick pump. Yeah, it works good. So, yeah, you have to Arnold would say, you know, Arnold is better than coming. Yeah, right. Dude, I'm I'm actually working on an article right now. It's called uh, Chasing the Pump. And in it, Arnold's like, I have the best life. I'm coming all day. (laughs) Uh, Oddly enough, I was looking for some of his quotes. And one of my favorite, favorite gifts ever I got at our uh, annual Christmas party. Somebody gave me the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, modern encyclopedia of bodybuilding. It even goes into how to pick your pose, uh, your your, uh, your trunks for your bodybuilding show. I was like, somebody gave it to me, and I was like, let me pull this shit out. I'm looking. I'm like, he's like giving there talking about how to tailor your fucking underwear so you look like that. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. So, so Reddit cover to cover, and what type of trunks would you go for? Uh, you know, Arnold, Arnold like uh, uh, brown trunks. I'd probably go with black. I don't think I'd go to black ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes know. the package look bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stripes. Red, red all day. Yeah. Your red text? Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm going. I'm going yellow trunks to really like highlight the bronze. You know what I mean? <sighs> really, red trunks? <laughs> well, it's like Ace and Gary, ambiguously gay duo. <laughs> dude, uh, dude, did you ever hear about a uh, receiver named Johnny Morton? Yeah, they played at USC. So uh, uh, Johnny he, Morton. He's our. He's our uh, wide receivers coach. Shut the fuck up! Really? Yeah. Let me tell you a Johnny Morton story. <laughs> And you can add, he, played, he played in the NFL, right, for a little while? Uh, Johnny Moore played in the NFL for a long time. Okay, yeah. He's our uh, wide receivers coach, I'm pretty sure. Uh, is he uh, like a kind of light-skinned black dude? Nope, he's not our wide receivers coach. All right, go ahead. Okay. Well, there's this dude on our team named Johnny Morton. He played at USC. And all of a sudden, you know, you come in in the morning and, uh, you know, people are getting undressed and whatever, getting your stuff, and he had a locker near me. All of a sudden, he goes takes off his pants, and the motherfucker was wearing a thong. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Right? Just <laughs> straight up, like, straight up man thong. Like, I'm talking, like, not like a woman's thong, but like a man thong. Yeah, I got the, got the banana hammer. Right? And, and, I, and I remember where he was like, and he was like, <laughs> like, he, like, looked down and he was like, oh, well, uh, uh, he goes to like, oh, man, I was just fuck with you guys to see what would happen. And we were like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like. Like this is yeah, like this dude straight up had like Botox and shit. He used to go get like microdermal facials and all this stuff. And I'm like, he was like the dude that went and got a pedicure and a manicure every Friday after fucking practice because he had to look good on game day. And the motherfucker was wearing a thong, so <laughs> shit, you know. oh, that's great. So, well, thanks, oh, dude. I really man. appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, awesome, let, man. Yeah, let us suck up as much time as you can. So, unless you, I'm sure you're trying to figure out your next meal, but uh, dude, thanks for jumping on and. Dude, uh, stay in touch. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I appreciate it. it. I'll hit you up with the info on that cert if you if you can hop over if uh, if you're available. Yeah, I would love I would love to join one. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'd dude, love to do invitation. It. So just uh, we'll, whenever we're out your way, we'll we'll shoot you a message. But uh, keep an eye on the schedule, or you know, however, we'll we'll cross paths for sure. Yeah, and where where are y'all located? In Newport Beach. Y'all. Oh, okay. If you ever make oh. it out to Orange County, California, Newport Beach, Southern California, dude, you are always welcome. Yeah, I uh, I go out to uh, San Diego every off season, and I train with uh, Mike Carney. He played fullback for a while in the NFL. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, the uh, John Carney, who the the kicker. He's having a yeah. deal for his. Uh, I think it's dinner with the pros next week. So okay. charity deal on one of the waiters for that. So him and Steve. Oh, nice. That, so. Yeah, me and Mike, we, we went over to John Carney's and trained to his thing and did all that. But, uh, yeah, man, if, I, if I'm nearby or something like that, I'll, I'll holler at y'all. I'd love to, like, work out with y'all and kind of just hang out for a day or something. Yeah, dude, yeah. even if you're in San Diego, it's, I mean, it's dude, not, it's, yeah, it's, it's easier it's to get like, to, man. Yeah, it, it's less of it. I think it's like 45 minutes. So. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah stay in touch. Yeah, it's quick. All right, cool. I appreciate y'all having me. All you right, know it, Austin, man. Have yeah. a good one, man. Yeah, take care. Best luck. Stay healthy. Drop on, drop now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can stalk Austin Johnson in your free time by following him on Instagram at AustinJ40. Also, come football season, you'll be able to catch him playing for the Saints. 
Don't forget to stay connected to Power Athlete posts, happenings, and bullshit memes by following us on Instagram at Power Athlete HQ. Until next time, bye!